a lot of times dads are, oh, I haven't seen my kid in a week. Let me go buy him a, a video game. I haven't seen my kid in two weeks. Let me go buy him something. That way he, I can show him that, hey, I still love you. Money doesn't matter to a kid. Time, time matters. Welcome to the Business Coffee Hour with William Gray Jr., a show where we take a deep dive into the human side of leadership and entrepreneurship over a cup of coffee. So I hope you guys have gotten the rhythm. Usually what we'll do, we'll have an episode about leadership from my perspective, and then we'll bring a guest on to figure out how are they doing and leading this thing we call life. And today is a, a special occasion for me. I have, there is a man on here that loves hats about as much as I do, <laughs> and his collection is growing. And so I had to bring up my best one today. This is one of my favorite hats uh, by Hat Club. Appreciate you guys. And it feels great because I feel like this is someone that I could, that I've known most of my life. Right. I yes. mean, she, he's known me since I was called Little Will, Little which Will, um, yeah. a lot of folks have called me that. And uh, what I've been able to do is admire you from afar and see how you lead your life. And then we've connected over this thing we call podcasting. And I said, how can I learn more about you mm. and get extract some of those life lessons? So without further ado, this is Mr. Chris Rodriguez. How are you today? I'm doing great. Yes. So yes. what what is a high level view, like a 30 seconds to 60 seconds about who you are? How do you introduce yourself? Well, uh, my name is Chris Rodriguez, and um, I'm a father of three girls, beautiful girls. And um, all I can say is that I dedicated my life to, to children, to kids, mm. uh, teaching them uh, as an elementary school teacher. And uh, that's probably my biggest uh, accomplishment is, is being able to connect with kids and teach them and inspire them and just deal with them, you know, being patient with, with those kids, even though I'm out of my uh, workplace, I get a little impatient. But when, <laughs> when I'm zoned in with those kids, it's it's something that is very gratifying at the end of the day. So how long have you been teaching? 30 years. Wow. 30, five years as a paraprofessional and the rest as, as a teacher. So total years of service, I have 30 years of service in education. Well, well congratulations. That's absolutely phenomenal and commendable because I think um, we can all agree that our teachers don't get enough appreciation, you know, especially for how much time they spend with our yes. kids. Um, and then on the other end, you said 30 years, so that means you've been able to, to teach kids and see them become adults and have their own kids. Absolutely. How has that been for you being able to realize you're in the situation where you've helped them? Um, have you had kids come back and visit? Absolutely. I have kids in my classroom that I've taught their parents. Wow. That's how long I've been in, in, in teaching and in education. And um, I've been at the same school since 2002. So uh, Jacinto City Elementary, shout out to those guys. Awesome school, awesome staff. It's not, it's, we don't even treat it as a school. It's more like a family. Right. Um, we're all, we've been together, we've worked together, so. You know, we, in our professions too, you know, here in our business, we try to invoke that same feeling, right? Like treating folks like family. How has your school and the leadership there been able to do that? Treat everyone like family or have this family culture? That to have the family culture, you have to trust each other mm. and help each other. When someone is struggling, you can kind of see that. You can see when they're having a bad day. You can kind of see when they're having a struggle. And sometimes just stepping in and saying, you know what? Let me take care of the situation for you is a big deal for that person. 
because it's happened to me where I, I just get stressed. You get to your max, you get to your limit. And people see that. People who really care, they see how you're responding, how you're acting, how's what your attitude, how you're talking. Being able to go in and relieve some of that is a big deal when you're dealing with kids because sometimes you need to take a break mm -hmm. during the day and before you let off the handle, you know, fly off the handle. But I think the most important thing is trusting each other. Trusting each other. Man, trust is, is uh, I love that you, you led with that because I think there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. So do you have any, um, anything you do to try and cultivate that trust? So you mentioned uh, recognizing and, and getting to know each other. How can we uh, build trust with one another? Build trust by offering your service, offering your kindness. Um, a lot of times I offer my kindness and people, they receive it really, really well. Sometimes people don't receive it very well. Those are the people that you need to, you know, learn how to navigate around, you know, because not everybody in that building is going to be receptive. But if you know that person and if you know that, that they've helped you in the past and you're willing to help, it's just it's just a feeling. It's just that that sixth sense that you have as as a as a teacher, as a person who cares, you know, and teachers are just naturally caring people. They're naturally giving people. So to offer help, to offer a, 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 a phrase of, of encouragement, it, it comes it comes without without cost. You know, it's free. And that's one thing that I've I've noticed is that helping people and giving advice, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. So, and it's priceless, you know, mm. because when you have someone that you can tell, hey, I can help you, and they receive it, you can't, can't put a number on that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you've been teaching for over 30 years. Who in your life has taught you the most? My parents. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they instilled in me education was was number one, and they pushed me, and thank God they pushed me into education. My my mom was a, was a sec school secretary for thir over thirty years, so being in that environment, you know, going to school and then after school hanging around, um, she was a school principal. I mean, a school uh, principal secretary, and the school principal was Mr. Gonzalo Campos, and he was one of my first mentors. Um, I would go into his office after school, sat in his chair, and he had this ring, this college ring, and, and I would just be an admire it, and it was from the University of Texas. Mm -hmm. And seeing that longhorn on that ring kind of motivated me, Like, and I would ask him, what did you do to get that? And he goes, a lot of studying, a lot of hard work, and a lot of uh, just overcoming struggle, because sometimes you feel like you're overwhelmed and just getting over that. So he was a big mentor of mine, um, and just my kids. My kids motivate me. Once wow. you have kids, you you do for them. You know, you're you're you you want to be successful to them, even though they don't always want to hear what we have to say. They see us doing what we're doing, and if we're doing something positive, doing something helping other people, that's a great impact. You know, and. Happy to say that my oldest daughter, she's going to become a teacher. Wow. So she graduates in December. So I'm passing the torch mm -hmm. by doing something that was positive. And you make an impact on society, on kids. And knowing that my my daughters are, are my, my even my middle daughter, Denise, she's a 
childhood uh, teacher, uh, child care teacher, daycare teacher. So I have two of my daughters in that profession right now, and it's it's a blessing because you're showing them something positive. And sometimes, like I said, they don't hear your words, but they see your actions, and that's that's very I gratifying. That's very powerful. Um, I, actually, I just had this, a conversation similar to this today, um, without the whole without the past week, really, just to say, um, you know, for me, um, we have someone here that works with us and I was telling her how do you get your kids to chase their dreams and she she wasn't sure how to express it or the correct answer and I said for me the best way to get your kids to chase their dreams is to chase your own yeah right because Absolutely. you may be able to tell them all these things but showing them is so powerful that is very powerful uh, so that's great to hear because I feel like I'm on the right path right like yes. okay it's uh reaffirming the things that I do so you mentioned your, your oldest is getting ready to be a teacher. So what advice would you give her and her counterparts who are getting ready to become teachers? My advice is to, the end of the day, you may be stressed, but you, you're giving, you're making an impact. We don't realize we make an impact every day because every day's it's a struggle. But once you complete that year, once you complete that school year, you can see the results. You can see how they've grown. You can see how they've learned from, and that's one thing about education. There's a beginning and there's an end to every school year. And when that beginning starts, it's a new group of kids. And the, that new group of kids, it's a different, it's a different dy dynamic. You have different personalities every year. Every group is different. But the goal is to improve each child. You're not going to have 20 kids who are all on the same level. You're going to have kids that are here. You're going to have kids that are here. You have kids that are here. Teach the kids, put your energy into every kid, not just the smart kids, not just the, the kids who are going to pass their test, but put that extra effort in the kids that need you the most because you don't know what those kids are going through. You don't know why those kids have the struggles that they have because we don't go into their homes. We don't know exactly what they go through. So a lot of times we're their safe haven. We're the, the place where they can thrive, they can learn they can, you know, express themselves without being ridiculed. So that's my advice is to give them a safe space, comfortable space where they can thrive, learn. And even if, it's just, if they have uh, uh, they're low performing, even if they grow a little bit, you made an impact mm -hmm. because they're going to remember that. And that next year, when they go to that next grade level, they're going to push forward. Wow. I. I really feel like I, I've also been this teacher as well, just in a different capacity, right? Being able to serve in the military, we always have new young guys coming in. And so I've always felt empowered to try and continue to help them grow. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but, but hearing you um, and the impact that you've had is really empowering to me. I, I've been using that word a lot lately, but it feels that way because I feel yes. like you're um, hearing your story has helped me uh, discover more about who I am. And with that, so you were able to win, uh, is it Teacher of the Year, correct? Teacher of the Year on my campus. On so campus. every campus has, uh, they vote and, uh, and I got it. So um, what does something like that mean to you? How is, how, what does that actually, uh, how does that feel to it, be, you know, like voted on by your peers? It, it feels, it feels good. It feels good because it, you 
it's it's not a popularity contest. It's more of like who's making an impact, you know, who has making who's making an impact on teaching, who's making an impact on the kids. And for my peers, my colleagues to to vote me as the teacher of the year is it's an honor because it shows that I don't I teach to give for for kids to learn. But for someone to recognize you, and sometimes you don't want that recognition. It's like, I don't do it for that. I don't teach for Teacher of the Year. I don't teach for these awards. I do it because it comes from my heart. And that's what the most gratifying is, that people see that I give from my heart. And I give from, from my, you know, just being kind and just wanting, investing my time in the, in the kids that, that don't get attention. You know, they don't, sometimes they don't get attention at home. They don't get attention from, you know, their loved ones. And to have colleagues say, you know what? We see your impact. We see the effects that you have on the kids. We see the, the effects that you have on, on kids who are struggling and they convert because you've changed them. So being Teacher of the Year was, was a surprise, but it was, it was an honor. And I didn't take it lightly and I was very proud of it. Um, it's just gratifying, you know? to know that you're making an impact. You know, what's interesting that I, I hear and pick up is it's almost easier for us to recognize our kids and tell them, you know, uh, especially the ones that we're teaching, like there's a lot of similarities between you being able to teach your kids and, and them receiving praise and, and you're, pouring them, you're pouring that into them uh, to be on the other side, to be open to that, right? Like as a teacher, like, you know, you're like, well, I should be recognizing somebody else. You're almost not wanting that praise or right. that, that glory. It's like, well, it's not me. It's them. Uh, but to be able to sit back and, like, receive it. That's, that's a big aha for me is the big, is to say, I'm pouring in. Yes. Let, allow me to be able to receive it as well when we just want to be able to give it away. And the interesting story about when I received Teacher of the Year, I got, I got that award. It was 2021, and that was the year that I had my surgery in November. So I was out of work for two months, November, December. And during that time, that's when the voting kind of started. And uh, I guess people realized that, hey, he hasn't been here for two months. And we see that, hey, it, it, there's, there's a difference. Like mm -hmm. him not being here, there's a difference. There's, people noticed it. So when I came back, it kind of, I had to work hard because missing two months of, uh, of, of school and teaching kids and having that rapport with them, I guess other people saw that, hey, he needs to be in the classroom to be effective. You know, like him being gone, we see that the kids are kind of like lost. They're not, they're struggling. So that, I guess people saw that, you know, mm. and which is why I was like, I'm, I'm, Heading towards retirement, I can retire and, and I can retire after next year, but I, I'm I'm gonna do two more years. But uh sometimes we just can't can't you can't think about that. You can't think about, oh, I'm not gonna be there anymore, I'm not gonna help the kids anymore. But knowing that I did it for thirty, over thirty years, it's it's satisfying because at the end of the day, those kids, they they remember you. Mm. They remember everything that you've done for them. Their parents remember you and Hearing, that's probably the one thing, hearing from a parent that you've made an impact on my kid, man, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can imagine 
you know, we've had similar stories like that too, and it's uh, it's very rewarding because it feels like the work I'm doing is is making that much more of an impact yeah. elsewhere. Like you're, you're really multiplying yourself, so you're being yes. able to not just uh, you know give them some tools, but be able to like create yes. many versions of you that that will go out and, and do that. You're starting that ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did mention you're getting ready to retire. So what does the future look like for for Mr. Chris Rodriguez? I'm gonna. I'll. I'll be back in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I'll. I'll be a substitute. I'll. I still feel like I need to make that impact, but the stress is gonna be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's what. What I'm looking forward to the most is, stress free. You know, it's, nothing's ever stress free. We still have to live life, and we gotta pay our bills. And but as far as my career, uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go back, but not in the capacity where, it's stress. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have other goals as well. I have goals to, you know, maybe one day do a podcast. Um, I feel like being a, a divorced dad, uh, being a teacher, uh, a lot of the men in my family, they, they seem to come to me for, for advice. And, um, and, and I think they come to me for advice because I tell them the truth. You know, I'm very honest and sometimes I'm brutally honest. But I think they receive it well from me because I have that compassion and I have that kindness to to tell them the truth, you know, and especially uh, for men around me who who care about me and that I care about as well. So that's another thing that I want to do. Maybe eventually develop a podcast mm-hmm. where it's just men's mental health or being a dad or being a teacher or just, I'm not sure what, I, what it is going to be, but I know I want to do something like that. Help others. So how how uh, so let's turn this into a, a, a few couple of minutes about you know Chris starting his podcast. How has um, how have you made mental health a priority? You know how do you go about taking care of your own mental health when you're you know when you are a divorced mm-hmm. dad when you're trying to pour into these kids and obviously you're thinking about retirement too in the future. How do you make sure that you stay sane? What are you doing for your own health? Keep the people around you who care about you close and go to those people. Not everyone is your friend. Not everyone has the best interest in you. That's why I'm, I'm very close to my family. And I think family is, is probably my priority. Um, my parents are healthy, thank God, and they're here. And I go to them, you know, and that's kind of like my my sanity right there it keeps my sanity you know there and it's they're 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 the ones that I think about my family and those are the ones that I want to help mm. you know and anyone else who who comes to me I'm willing to help but to me family first you know because at the end of the day those are the ones that are going to really care about you and so for that divorced dad you know what do we? What do you say to him, whose uh, you know whose family's kind of shattered now? Go find your kids because they're not going to look for you. It's our responsibility to, to be there. That will give me chills, bro. <laughs> it's 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 our responsibility to be there and to show up to their events. Um, if it's a baseball game or a golf, and my daughters play golf, uh, my youngest she's still playing golf in high school. Just be there. You know, don't, don't I just that, that one 
seeing, see, I, being around kids and, and having events and like, you know, the end of the year awards, those kids are looking for their parents. Mm -hmm. They want to see their parents. They want to see the people who care about them in the, in the audience. And that's one thing that I, it, you know, just be there, you know, support them. Um, don't expect them to look for you because you have to look for them and be there, be in their lives and just be a constant, you know. You don't have to like, oh, I need to do this. I need to give them money. I need to buy this. And I need. It's not about money. It's about time. A lot of times dads are, oh, I haven't seen my kid in a week. Let me go buy him a, a video game. I haven't seen my kid in two weeks. Let me go buy him something. That way he, I can show him that, hey, I still love you. Money doesn't matter to a kid. Time. Time matters. You're bringing the heat today, Chris. Wow, because <laughs> uh, you know all, all of these are are lessons for for me when I when I think about leadership. It's like how do I not only lead myself, how do I lead my family? Yeah. You know, how do I show them these things? And basically, it's you have to show them. You have yeah. to uh, be there. You have to put in the time. And it's you, not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. Effort. Um, that's uh, that's extremely powerful stuff. Now, as you're as we're getting ready to. Again, you're thinking about retirement. You've been doing this for so long, um, over 30 years. What's one thing that you've seen change throughout the, uh, the course of the schools from the beginning of, of the early 2000s now? Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and to now, how has COVID kind of changed things for parents and that, uh, that aspect when it comes to schooling and our involvement? Big change. Big change. Pre-COVID, we had a... We had a system, we had a, a, a routine. Every year, we kind of followed that, follow it, follow it. Once COVID hit, everything changed. Uh, it was virtual and having your students in front of you on a screen versus having the students there in the same classroom was very different. The con controlling the class was very hard because discipline wise, you, it was out of your hands. It was just straight teaching. It was hard because you couldn't monitor the kids. You couldn't, you, you depend on the parents to do that. Mm. Sometimes parents don't know how. They don't know how to teach. They don't know how to show. They're impatient because a lot of times we're more impatient with our own kids than with other people's kids. Um, once kids came back to the classroom, we noticed that they fell behind. The time that we were we have in the classroom versus the time on a virtual screen was very different. Because you can't monitor the kids. Once they log off, they're on their own. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're following the steps that you told them to show them to do. Right. So we noticed that reading levels dropped a lot. Um, the smart kids, of course, they were self-motivated. They were on, on level. But there's a lot of kids that need that push, and it's the majority of the kids. I mean, you have about 75% of kids who are, who are not self-motivated that will not go read a book on their own. They won't go do math on their own. So when they came back to the classroom, it was a struggle. And this was one of the years, this is probably this, the toughest year I've ever had, teaching kids uh, to focus, to have structure, to sit down and do an assignment for a period of time. Um, that was a struggle. It was a struggle. And normally, 
It would take me about a month to get a class in a routine. This school year, it took me three months to get that routine down. So there was a big difference. Um, Parents nowadays, now, I mean, we have parents where they're 20, you know, they're 21. I mean, they they were born in what? 20 years ago was what? 2000? Yeah. 2000? (laughs) Yeah. So it's like this new generation of parents, they need help on how to raise their kids. Before, when I first started teaching, we got a lot of support from parents. You know, teach my kid, I trust you. Now it's like they're against us. It's like, no, my kid didn't do that. No, my kid's not like that. Mm-hmm. My kid wouldn't do that. But kids do. When kids are out of the home environment, they act different. They're either going to act good yeah, or they're going to try to get away with stuff. So pre-COVID versus now, it, it was a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, the support was there from the parents in the beginning of my career. And now I still have support from parents now, but those are the, there's some parents that are just, they want to put the blame on somebody else, why their kid is not successful, versus taking their own accountability and saying, you know what? I didn't put in the time and effort to support my kid ed- in the education setting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part that a lot of us deal with is taking that accountability, yeah. you know, because we can place blame in everywhere else, you know, but I, I've said this before, it's, but when you point, point to someone else, you're giving them the power, yeah. you know, oh, it's on them, it's on them. Like when you can say, no, this is my, my role in this, even if it wasn't very large. Right. I still, I take back the power. And now that I have the power, I can do something about it. Right. And so what is, uh, as we're getting ready to wrap up, what is something, I've noticed there's a big trend to bringing kids for homeschooling. How do you see homeschool playing a role with the public school? I think kids need some kind of social aspect in their lives. Homeschooling is not a bad thing if you have the right resources for that kid. Not all parents are made to teach their kids at home. Hmm. But there are some other uh, institutions that are homeschooled, but they have, it's a, in a different setting where there's a group of kids that, are, that work together. So homeschooling can work if you have the right people and the right resources around. Um, public school, I think, is important because kids need to have that social aspect in their lives. Um, so often we have kids that are, they have a relationship with their iPad and they're stuck to their iPad and they're stuck to that screen the majority of the day. Sometimes it's, we need to put that iPad down and interact with each other, um, socialize with each other, learn how to sit in a restaurant and talk, yeah. conversate with your parents, with, your, with the people around you. It's hard because you don't want your kid to be running around and, and act, you know, and be an embarrassment of doing something wrong. But I think we need to focus on that. Uh, screen time, we call it screen time at school. Most of the assignments are done on the on the laptops, on the computer. So the screen time at school is also, they're gonna have a lot of time on there, but it's important that get them out of that, close that mm-hmm. laptop, have a conversation, have a discussion, have a debate. 
have an uncomfortable conversation and where, no, I don't agree with that. Yes, I agree, I agree with this. Because uh, kids do not like to be told no. And they have a hard time with it. I mean, you see a kid at a store, parent tells them no, what do they do? They throw a tantrum. So that's being a parent, being a, a, a teacher, it's, it's tough sometimes because you're going to, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to create an, uh, a scene. But sometimes that has to happen in order for that kid to grow mm. because that kid doesn't know any better. Like, and that's one thing I like of working with kids. Kids do make mistakes and it's okay because they're kids versus adults. You know, if an adult makes uh, an irrational decision, well, they should know better because they're <laughs> adults. So that's one of the beauty, uh, the beauties of working with kids is that you're helping them grow. You're helping them learn that's not right, what you just did. So now, next time, learn from it. Right. Uh, well, I want to say thank you again for this, uh, this time, the time you've been able to be here, the time you've poured into kids, the time you spent around my family, too. You're great. You're a very positive influence. Uh, for that, for the community at, at a larger scale, I know we didn't even dig into some of the after school stuff that you do. Yes. You know, there's there's a lot. Um, and so I, I just want to say and recognize you and thank you for, for your time and for really um, being an example, you know, being able to pour in. It, it's a true skill. It really is to be able to give that much. And so as we wrap up, my, I have two last things. First, how can someone stay in contact with you, follow you, any calls to action for the parents out there? Like, what can... How can we continue to support you even on your next endeavors? Well, I have Facebook. I have Instagram. I don't even know what my <laughs> name is on there. I think it's Chris Rod or Chris Rodriguez. But uh, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, but I, just one thing I wanted to add is that we didn't talk about the after school stuff. But one of my, uh, a lot of my mentors were coaches. Mm -hmm. And that's why I got into coaching. And I do a lot of coaching. I've been coaching all my life, you know, once I stopped playing, I coached. But a lot of my mentors were coaches. Right, and we're talking about football, yes. Football, baseball, and especially football. Um, my, my the first my first coaches in football, they were all ex-military or law enforcement. So even though I didn't go into the military uh, field, I got the training from mm. it, or I got that mindset. Um, Football is a, is a grueling sport, so a lot of conditioning. So these men in, in, in my life, they pushed us. They made us want to get to the edge where, man, I don't want to quit, but they don't let you. They help you persevere and get through it. Take the next step. Teamwork, working as a team. So a lot of my mentors that were coaches helped me become a teacher wow. because I, teach, I treated teaching as if I was coaching. And that helped me as a teacher be the teacher that I am because I treated it as a team. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a team. Like, and every year I tell those kids, we're a team. We're only as good as the lowest kid. So it's our job to lift them up so that we can be a unit. That's a powerful lesson right there. I think for all of us to take back is, you know, we're not in this alone. And being able to pull everybody up together, right. you know, it's like looking out for one another, building that community. And uh, so thank you. I think that's, that's fantastic. But my last question for you is, um, or if there is nothing else for you after this, right? 
What are your three life lessons that you've learned that you'd like to make sure that everybody else knows? First lesson is stay close to your family. Family first, because they're the ones that, are, that support you and they look for you to support, for support. So family is number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is invest your time in your kids. You know, I know it goes with family, but a lot of times we lose that, you know, I see dads that are not in their kids' lives and those kids need us. They need that father figure. Whether we're present every day, but just show up, show up for your kids because in the end, they're the ones that they need us. Even they say they don't, but they do. Mm. And the third thing is keep your sanity. Find something to keep you sane because we struggle. We have to struggle to, to pay bills, to maintain our household, to you know just go to work and having being on the top of your game at work every day. So mental health is, for me, is take care of that because nowadays we see a lot of people struggle and they don't know how to solve their problems. They don't know how to overcome that. Find someone that you trust with your emotions, your feelings, and not being criticized. So find someone that you can go to to just let go mm. and vent. Someone that you trust, you know. And I'm fortunate to have a few people that I can trust with my feelings. And but keep your mental health intact. Yeah, I love that. So stay close to your family, two, really invest in your kids, and three, find ways to keep sane by making sure you take care of your mental health. Uh, but thank you again. I think those are, those are some really great ones. I'll make sure I keep that in mind when I'm doing it. And thank you all for joining us for the Business Coffee Hour with William Gray Jr. Hope you guys enjoy your cup of coffee. Hope you really enjoyed this conversation. Please look up Chris Rodriguez. I'll make sure to share his socials in the episode notes. And let us know how we can continue to serve you. Like and share, subscribe, leave us a review. Those things go a long way in making sure that this message, all the things that Chris has shared with us really get out there. You can follow along with me at Mustache Wisdom on all my handles. I'm working on getting that Instagram handle. It was pretty funny. Somebody else has it. but uh, And I, if you haven't been told yet, you are loved. You are enough. We really appreciate you being here and sharing with us. And as always, I love you guys.